0: All right. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it has. But no one's doing anything in the summer. And
0: there's yeah. Hurricanes
1: I... And there's wildfires, and no one cares about us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure most people aren't like, you know. Where my summer has been terrible because yeah. no politics at the dinner table has gone three weeks right, without a break. Right. Case.
0: No, you're right. People are literally putting out fires yeah. and and like or or they're bailing water um in 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 like their basements. I so. was
1: out. I was without electric for a week in <laughs> New Orleans with hundred degree weather and uh, a humidity factor of a thousand. We were sleeping outside in tents because. It are you serious? Oh yeah.
0: Oh my God.
1: Now let me just preface that by saying we were completely fine we had running yeah. water we had right. a generator for the refrigerator my landlords are like new or new orleanians that are could kind of be on they could be on a loan like they're fine yeah. they got everything <laughs> nothing's okay. happening yeah. at my at, yeah. my at the house i live in um but still just because of my uh like my privilege in life not having air conditioning was the end of the oh world for me. I, th- yeah. I, th- I thought about jumping.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, there's people that just like-
0: jumping off the levee and Houses like fell down. It. And I'm like, I don't have
1: AC, <laughs> <laughs> send me money. <laughs>
0: yeah, did you start like a GoFundMe for for like- Anytime a generator someone for checked
1: in on me, I would just say, please send money just in case. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, there's it's funny. It's like we, you know- Katrina was, like, the craziest thing ever because of just the levees breaking and then you know 15 to 20 feet of a water surge, which is unheard of. Right. So, like, we didn't necessarily have that in New Orleans because they held, but the outskirts, which are, like, the sinking right. lands where the natives live and the fishermen and the shrimpers, like, the, mm-hmm. it was very much the same thing. Like, their houses yeah. are gone again. Right. right. Um, and it's just something they need to figure out. But they're unfortunately, it's not getting the press Katrina got for – many reasons there's a lot of other disasters going on plus the the hurricane went all the way up north and was killing people in new york so like yep. you know, you guys in jersey
0: in jersey yeah. jersey
1: got hit man but like there are there are people that have lost everything and it's yeah. horrible well but hey man
0: Let's out. transition to something happier. Um it's 911 today. It's, yeah. it's um, like, well, why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> this is exactly what people want to hear. I've right?
1: already cried two times in bed watching these <laughs> stupid propaganda MSNBC. I'm just like crying. I'm just like I can't watch this shit. Yeah. They're, they're, they're hooking me and I'm, you know. Then I'm seeing, you know, all the politicians, you know, hugging, kissing Bill Clinton, and I'm getting angry. Oh God! And then I see Bush with his legs crossed, and hanging out, and I'm just like, Why are we throwing tomatoes at
0: these people? Yeah, I know. Seriously. Well, we're going to talk about why we should be. Um, So today we're going to let's let's talk about nine eleven and Mm, okay, what happened after? This is no politics at the dinner table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash, today is September 11th, 2021, so it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and we're gonna talk about 9-11 and its various legacies.
1: Where to begin? Yeah, well, lots of places. All right, so let's go, what are we doing?
0: Okay, so I wanted to talk about kind of two things today regarding 9-11, like one is just the global war on terror broadly, Mm -hmm. Um, and then more narrowly, which is like a more recent thing, which is the the debate about leaving Afghanistan, so. I love the way you say that. What? You just have a great way of saying it. Say it again. Leaving where? Afghanistan. Yeah, it's great. You just say it perfectly.
1: <laughs> I say Afghanistan. 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 It, whole- my, my, it,
0: I can't say it like that. It just does not come out well, that way. Of course way. not. Yeah, you're yeah. you're an educated man. I'm an <laughs> idiot. Um, okay, so let's start with the global war. Um And there's a bunch I mean there's so many things we can talk about but in terms of like defining it and by the way everyone there's a a whole new slew of books you know coming out right now about this that I'm starting to read so I can't recommend them all but what I've read so far they're pretty amazing. Um, There's a book by Spencer Ackerman called Reign of Terror um, and and he's got an argument about how the war on terror produced somebody like Trump as well. So it's like really related to American politics. Our friend Sam Moyne has I just got his book in the mail yesterday, the book Humane about how America um, abandoned peace and embraced endless war. Um, and then there's another book by this guy, David Vine, um, called The United States of War, which starts from Columbus and goes to the, the global war on terror. Um, and so th- that's kinda of like trio um, is gonna be the education anybody needs if, if you wanna read about this stuff. I just started dipping into also the Afghanistan papers that the Washington Post has published. Um, which are basically like um, an analog to the Pentagon Papers, if you remember those, um, which expose the internal discussions of the highest registers of the US government and military about the war. And basically, since year two of this war, they've been lying about how they're gonna win and openly lying to each other, being like, yeah, we can't win this thing, but we're just gonna say this. Um, And so there's a catalog of that that's been published now. But um, so that's just an aside of like if you're if you're looking to read stuff, that's good stuff to read. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is it? So on the face of it, you know, Brown University has um, this sort of accounting that they're doing. They're trying to do called the cost of war. Um, And they've counted and they said this is an undercount, but they are able to verify this number about 900000 people killed in the global war on terror thus far. Um, the numbers have got, there's other numbers that are like 2 million, 3 million, et cetera. And they might well be true. They're not provable by documentation yet, but they might well be later on. Um, and the other one that, where there's a money trail, where's where 8 trillion has been spent thus far. All right. So that's like the, the blood and treasure cost, if you like, um, of this war, the other things that we've got and most of this killing is abroad, right? I mean, um, the, the, the large, super, super majority of it is abroad. There have been 7,000 uh, American soldiers killed um, in this war um, over 20 years. Um, but that's dwarfed by the number of um, people who have been killed by drone assassinations. Um, uh, just, just one element of that war. Uh, but the other things that I think people kind of... I don't know maybe you've gotten used to over time um, and that's the scary part of it is that the war is often thought of as something out there but they actually the war has always been kind of brought home and is kind of made it home in various ways so the other things that we've kind of gotten um, is the the practice of indefinite detention without charge right so the continued existence of Guantanamo Bay um you know 20 years on there's still people there who are just languishing who they know are innocent but no country wants them just because of the stigma of them becoming prisoners right now worried that they might might, they weren't radicals to begin with but they might have been radicalized by virtue of their imprisonment and then nobody wants to take them so they're just going to sit there in this hole um police infiltration and surveillance of, you know, communities, um, even, you know, mosques, places of worship, you know, um, businesses, restaurants, the sort of blanket police surveillance that with in conjunction with the CIA that the NYPD did right after nine 11 for a number of years, um, just targeting the community by virtue of their religion, right? Um, that, uh, and that has continued in various forms. Immigration itself has been construed, effectively as an as a national security issue, um, uh, rather than what it used to be. And, and it was never sort of a great issue. But before it was sort of managed through labor market needs, right? And, and there was always, you know, it was always shot through with racism and things like that. But now immigration is a national security threat, right? And that has become sort of normal in the discourse. Secret prisons and the black sites all across the world. Um, and then how do you get people there? extraordinary rendition you're just snatching people in airports throwing them in basically unmarked planes and sending them to these places and then what happens there and what has happened there is torture right so all of these things have become sort of part and parcel of american life right and that's that is also part of the war right that the, the global war on terror is a lot of the stuff and that and it's all become kind of normalized people don't like like to think about it obviously um, this is a moment where i think we should. Um, And then the other thing I just wanted to sort of say in terms of like, defining its features, is that this is it's pitched and conceived as this very expansive war in time and space. So like the classic, or maybe not so classic now, maybe a a sort of antiquated um, idea of a clearly uh, uh, demarcated, um, and like territorialized battlefield is gone right? Like that's gone. It's just like the world is filled with fluid threats that must be continuously encountered and neutralized wherever they, you know, wherever the national security apparatus deems they are, you know, are, are, are rising. Um, and so that means, and they don't even talk about, you know, the military, um, got in trouble during the George Floyd protests because when, when they were, um, You know shooting tear gas and stuff like that at protesters they use this language of the military which is not battlefield which is battle space right like the you have to do this in the battle space and first of all they're you know confronting protesters as you know the enemy um but also i think the language is is an indicator that you know the whole world is a battlefield if you like right um and the best sort of embodiment of that is the drone program Right, so that you can go anywhere at any time um, and do these assassinations um, and I don't know if people have followed the story of Daniel Hale and um, the the Air Force guy who just got sentenced to 45 months for for whistleblowing um, but there's a couple of things that that I wanted to just sort of quote from him which I thought are really sort of, profound. Um, So when he was getting sentenced in Virginia, um, this just happened this year. um, He, he said that, quote, it was necessary to dispel the lie that drone warfare keeps us safe, that our lives are worth more than theirs. I'm here because I stole something that was never mine to take precious human life, I couldn't keep living in a world in which people pretend that things weren't happening. uh, That were please, your honor, forgive me for taking papers instead of human lives. Right. And, and so what he kind of in his document and he did steal documents, right? That's, that's true. Um, and then he likely gave them to the intercept. you know, that's then the intercept as a journalistic organization is not going to say its source, but it's pretty likely that that's what happened. But what was shown in that is that sometimes nine out of the 10 people killed in a given drone strike were, were innocent right um and now the numbers that we have are between 9,000 and 17,000 killed but just by drones just by this, you know flying robots um and of those at least 2200 were children right so that's that's all of this um is is part of the 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 the, the war on terror um and it's something that you know, it, it drags on how does it become a quote-unquote forever war because it becomes normalized. Like, I think that's that's the thing, right, is that it just becomes part of the air that we breathe. And, yes, America is abstractly at war, and it's abstract because, guess what, we don't have a draft. Um, right but back to draft. Yeah, so that's that's my sort of take on some of the things that we've gotten from this war on terror.
1: So basically, everything that will not be covered on mainstream media.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a moment, right? There was a moment when the sort of the drone, because think of it this way: like Barack Obama ran as an anti-war candidate, mm-hmm. right? He ran as a sort of peace candidate. I'm going to get us out of Iraq. Um, same thing um, with with Afghanistan. Um, but he he was not willing, much much like George W. Bush, much like um, Um, Obama one and Obama two, um, and then only later on, uh, Trump did, did so. He was, he was not willing to talk to the Taliban, right? Um, and you can't strike a peace if you, if you're not willing to sit at the table with an enemy, right? If, if like he's using like a, a 17th century or 16th century version of, 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 of peace that that's the there's like the the major thing in at least you know european history what people talk about that becomes a model for peacemaking after wars um, is what happens after napoleon is defeated mm-hmm. right in 1815 all of these great powers get together and guess what they invite france to the table and that's a kind of like a first it's like usually like we killed you and you're the guns to your head and you're just going to do what we say because guess what we're going to pull the trigger otherwise and and the big shift was, no, now in order to create a sort of stable peace, a durable peace, you have to invite the defeated party as well mm-hmm. to see you know, what is tolerable for them um, so you know they won't get angry and <laughs> rise up again later on, right? Which is exactly what happened with the Taliban, right? Um,
1: but that was because the political fallout here would have been huge because you're trying to build a democracy there and then to be bringing the Taliban, which we were— classifying as a terrorist organization would
0: yeah yeah i mean the argument the, this, this would the,
1: feel a little weird wouldn't it
0: this like, is the this is the thing and this is why the afghanistan papers are important is that you get this sort of moving goalposts on why we're at war right, right? you know like so initially this is a punitive expedition right that that uh, the Taliban was harboring terrorists, Al-Qaeda. which they were, right? Yeah. Al-Qaeda and, and Osama bin Laden. This is all true, right? That's true. Um, and the U.S. was looking for payback, effectively, right? Um, and so when that war started in November um, 2001, within the first week, the U.S. dropped over 18,000 bombs on Afghanistan, right? In one week. And that utterly decimated um the, the Taliban and they were on the run right away. Within a week, right? Their their government collapsed. Their their, their fighters were, were you know fleeing and just sort of you know taking off their uniforms and you know going a um, And the Taliban was suing for peace right away. They were basically saying, "Look, we're <laughs> you know we're going to submit." Um, and the U.S. government literally said, um, Donald Rumsfeld said this. That we're not interested in peace with the Taliban. And there was there was that sort of hyper overconfidence there, right? That they're they're gonna go away. They're not gonna come back, right? We've got them, right? We just bombed them to smithereens. Um, and, you know, you know, they've been they've been put in the dustbin of history. And now history's coming back to bite the US in the bud. Um, when and the Taliban's in power, right? Twenty years later, they're they're in power. But that whole like nation building we're going to create a democracy another outpost of democracy in this land of authoritarianism that was like much later when the war was dragging on right that it was supposed to go there punch them in the nose for harboring Osama bin Laden eventually find Osama bin Laden kill him which was done but much later Um, but then there was the pivot to Iraq Mm. right. And that's that's where, you know, they divided their forces and focus. The Great Liberators. Yeah, right, right. So um and and so that's the thing is like another thing that I find that, you know, that just gotten sort of normalized over these years was just like the the high level lying. Right? Like the very high level you know, lying to get into war. Barack Obama like smirking during press conferences saying like what drone program, you know, like like just just like straight up lying Wink wink we all know what's going on, but this is you know But because you know people liked Obama. It's okay when he lies right that, that's fine because he's like really slick and and, and Articulate mm-hmm. and you know smart guy whereas Bush, you know can barely can speak English um, and you know he's a cowboy and you know the Liberals didn't like him. So his lying was really bad, right? Obama's lying was, you know, some bad for certainly leftists, but for liberals, it was like tolerable because he's like a good guy, right? Um, and then Trump is lying, and like, of course, that's terrible because he's, you know, because yeah, he's Trump, yeah. right? So, you know, in, but in all three cases, you know, the media is not kind of doing its job, really, in terms of scrutinizing what people are actually saying and then sort of calling them on it. Yeah. Um, until, until now, which is
1: hilarious because- Maybe that's
0: changing. And if that's changing, great, right? Like well, that's, what I think
1: is funny, you said, you know, the first, the reason why we invaded was payback, right? It was impulsive yeah. payback. We had to do something. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and the way we left was payback because yeah. this drone strike was just to make everyone here feel good. It yeah. was like, we just killed a bunch of them within a day. Like that's not, right. that's not due diligence. That's not like making sure these are bad guys. And clearly yep. they got it completely wrong, but that's, that's, that's a, a perfect book ending to this war was impulse to begin impulse to end. Yeah. But somehow, and and like, we're not even Biden fans, but somehow Biden is like taking all the heat for this. Like the guy is ending the war and people die and it's horrible. And I don't get any pleasure out of saying that, but like, so far, he's killed fewer people in drone strikes than Bush, Obama, and Trump. So like suddenly now the New York Times is doing a big report on drones. Right. Right. Where's the Obama report from the New York Times?
0: Yeah, I mean I was actually so happily surprised to see that that article we were talking about earlier that that you know that the New York Times investigated, and they're like, "Yeah, this this supposed drone strike of hitting a cache of explosives and so on, they not the case. Yeah, yeah, the they 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 they, they hit yet another family, you know, um, and killed a bunch of people, um, and and that's just the nature of the drone warfare, right? Of course, um, that somebody in an air conditioned trailer in Nevada with a joystick." Is pushing a button in Afghanistan and terrifying unleashing hell right um, from you know hell from above um, and it's the idea that you know that this is I mean, and this is why I want I'm very excited you know I, I, I can't hardly wait for for Sam Moyne to come on because his entire book is about this which is about humanit kind of like humanitarianism and war brought together like mm-hmm. like we're doing this in like surgical strikes and you know there's a lot of knowledge and and you know it's going to be minimal casualties and certainly minimal civilian casualties and that might well be the case as compared to say World War 2 where sure. you know like 60 million people died and 75% of them were civilians right absolutely true but world again like this is the problem with the way we think about war um, because I, I would attribute it mostly to war movies um, that, you know, everybody... When we think of war, we think of World War II often. Um, and of we course. think of, like, you what know, Saving Private Ryan man, and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, great, right? Know, that's movie. what comes, Yeah, it's a great movie. And there's a lot of great uh, World War II movies. I, I love them. But it, it, it gives us a distorted picture of war because, like, World War II was, like, once in a thousand-year war, you know, like it was like not a normal war. <laughs> it was like insane. It was totally yeah. crazy um, And so to, to use that as the measure like look, we're not killing as many civilians as World War two like that's not really a good measure, right? Um, right? And and it's more sort of proportional like okay, you're killing fewer civilians But what is the ratio of civilians to actual people who are your enemy that you're killing and that's not so great? Um, and guess what? People notice. You know, when people on the ground notice when yeah. their uncle's been murdered. You know. In terms of getting out, maybe we can like move to that of of, of Afghanistan. Um, you know, one of the things that came out immediately from the right, but also from from liberal hawks, were like, "Oh, well, now you know we've lost our you know redoubt in Afghanistan, and we're going to have more terror attacks in America, right? Like if we, you know, that that whole argument about if we don't fight them there, we're going to have to fight them here, right? Yeah." So, so, that's gonna be the thing.
1: Which is hilarious.
0: It's, I mean, it's literally, It's, it's crazy. By having a kind of this logic of a forever war, you know, Spencer Ackerman, Ackerman talks about this, you produce forever enemies, right? Like that, that these, the people who you're constantly sort of grinding down, again, notice this. You know, it's not an, an abstraction for them when the war is overhead um, um, and they're fleeing their homes. And then they do become your enemy, of course. And and, and then and then it sort of reproduced over time.
1: Yeah. If my if my father and siblings were blown up by a U.S. drone, I would probably wish death to America. Yeah, yeah, it's not that yeah. crazy. It's, I mean,
0: it's not. It's just a human like reaction. They
1: started this stupid MSNBC, MSNBC thing today, like this tribute with like. And by all accounts, by the military and blah blah blah, intelligence, these the biggest threats of terror are here at home now. And it's just like Brian Williams, like shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And it's like yeah. that's how you're starting this. Is like let's get a little fear in you. Let's all be looking over our shoulders. Right. That's why you're getting spied on. That's why there's all like. The, I think my biggest problem with it all is is obviously the war itself was which was insanity. But like, it's just. It's just the weakness and the ignorance of all of us where if you just dig one layer beyond nine eleven and then we went and invaded for some If you just like if you actually just dig one layer it's not hard right it's not hard to see the policy that's come out of this war it's it's as tragic as the war I mean it's it's disgusting mm-hmm. and Nobody talks about that. No, not, not on any of these shows while Bill Clinton's kissing people and George Bush is up there looking miserable in the sun. Are they talking about, oh, there's the guy who uh, started the war and um, started spying on you and locking up brown people for no reason. And there's still people in Guantanamo that haven't even gotten a trial and none of that. And it's just like, then 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 it then you understand why people don't want to take a vaccine
0: (laughs) yeah well yeah right it's like yeah yeah. because
1: it's all none of this it's all that that's it and so if you can't understand those people i mean i don't agree with them i think they're idiots but there's a reason why people don't trust anybody because we just sit here and pretend and the people you know, you're supposed to be able to watch the news and in, in, in the freest country in the history of the world, and and think it's fair and balanced, and they're actually going to help you get somewhere. But it's all just propaganda. It's all propaganda.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brian Williams is like a great example, right? Like this guy lied about his own like 100%. experiences in reporting, like the reporters lying about his own, uh, you know, actual reporting, like yeah. oh, I was getting shot at and this that, like 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 you have no credibility right no. so so that's the thing is that i mean it's a tragedy right like on the one hand there is all this there's much more media the quality's not very good though you yeah. know like that there's more sort of basic let's call it access to information but the actual quality of the media is really decreased. And, you know, that's because we pay less for media now, quite frankly, right? So, like, there's fewer foreign correspondents and stuff like that. So, like, that's yeah, one of let the things. Hold on. But let yeah. me tell you this
1: I, that, that's all the media companies crying poor mouth. They have more money than they've ever had. The New York Times has a podcast division, they've got documentaries on Netflix. Yeah, but trust me on this one. That's They're true. They're just but not that's... cycling the money to that because they don't care about it as much. So, when they talk about that, it's, B, it's BS. Look how much Vox is worth. They could easily take, I don't know, $1 million of their billion-dollar valuation and pay journalists more. They just don't want to. They want the clickbait. So when I hear that, I get a little angry because I, it's it's I, a very cheap way to pretend that's why, and it's not real.
0: I see what you're saying, but those are like the behemoths, right? Like Those are like the big companies. There used to be a media landscape where you had like a lot of reporters who could make a living they weren't doing well but they could make a living being like working for the Associated Press or or agents France press and you know like like they're kind of like reporters who do a beat and then like sell their stuff to to other newspapers and stuff like that so if the newspaper if the local newspapers are all collapsing um, and being swallowed up by these behemoths and literally being bought by hedge funds and then just being like you know, uh, strip for parts, which is what these guys do. Sure. Um, then those guys who would have been on these beats doing that work literally do not can't eat right. So that's what I mean. Like, I I agree with you. Like the, you. The, the the very large ones, yeah, they have a ton of New York Times not hurting for money, right? No, they, they're doing the best ever. And yeah, like and they're you're, you're, and they're doing foolish. the best they've ever done, right? Like, so they they've the and and. They're like the Amazon of media, right? Like they dominate everybody and they set yes. the agenda for, for everything else, right? And
1: they're completely, utterly biased and that's a problem. I mean, and and, and 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 it's one of the better places to go. I'm not saying I don't, there's journalists on there who I love and I trust, but, you know, there's a lot of horrible stuff going on in the world. I don't need to see a bunch of white people in the Hamptons in your style section. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's let's figure this out, you know? Yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's shrink yeah. that and put money maybe towards other things but yeah yeah. so
0: so like let's i want to talk a little bit about this sort of fear right so we're talking about this fear that's then cultivated by the media that okay and here you know specifically if we leave afghanistan there's going to be terror attacks um Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, yeah, but, they're you know, build. They're time, ha- they're, hard, Yeah, they're you know, Canada. they're they're gonna you know, they're gonna, you know, be seething and want, they're gonna want revenge and that's why we need yeah, to have, you know, a permanent totally. base there, etc. Just like right?
1: just like the v- the Viet Cong.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. They're gonna get so us too. The what I want us to just sort of point out is like we should be afraid of this leaving, but not for that reason. So the the there's an iconic photo already of that very large um i don't know if it's a b52 or Mm c30 whatever they're called um of 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 afghanis all huddled in there there's like 800 people no seats it's it's like an emergency jet out of out of dodge right so that's um you know an important humanitarian image and people should take that seriously and that there is a there is a crisis going on there for all the people who did work with the americans like they've got um you know, crosshairs on their backs right now. And they have, I feel for them. Um, but for Americans, and this is, of course, what the American media is like, well, this is, what does this mean for us? Before that flight, more than 900 flights left. And that was bringing back all military material. And if the, History of the war on terror as any guide, most of that surplus material is going to go to police forces. Hundred percent. Um, and and that is going to become a new the it's they're going to be flooded because they're not going to do what to do what do we do with all this stuff now? Well, we'll just give it to the police, right? Um, and that is going to again have another transformational effect, um, on U.S. life and a new sort of normalization of even more police sort of. We on have the all team. these new toys. We need to use them. Yeah absolutely absolutely um the other argument was well how can we you know abandon afghanistan what will the taliban do to the women and girls of afghanistan which is a legitimate argument right like the the, the taliban has absolutely abhorrent policies with regard to women and girls they have a policies broadly Everything. sure um but they're, but, bad guys. but they're bad guys but specifically um you know it's a it's a it's a real sort of uh, patriarchy on steroids um, that that they're imposing right everywhere is a patriarchy but theirs is worse <laughs> like, I, I I have no qualms about saying that um, but the 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 major question is like like uh, the US needs to be there for the safety um, and to guarantee the safety of women and girls and that might well have been the case for you know some elements of education. Um, certainly upper and and upper middle class and and more wealthier Afghanis, uh, Afghani women um, did better, right? Um, uh, And were able to sort of ascend into the government and the professions, et cetera, which is great. Those are all great things. But the flip side of that is that what we learn from Daniel Hale, the the Air Force uh, uh, drone whistleblower, uh, is that again, that about anywhere between 70 to 90% of the quote, unquote, collateral damage deaths. Um, um, let me rephrase that, that the deaths themselves, 70 to 90% were collateral damage. Um, and what that means is that many, if not most, of the civilians getting killed by the drone program, which is to say American force, were women and girls, um, and and so so the whole idea that the U.S. is there to protect women and Afghani women and girls, while they're killing them in drone strikes on a regular basis, um, does not add up in any way, um, and um, is actually quite the opposite, right? Like that's that's the, the 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 major thing.
1: But it's also part part of the problem with the thinking here, which is. We need to do something. Sure, sign your kid up. <laughs> no problem. Let's right. get a little get a little Kickstarter where people that want to go stay there forever. Sign your kids up. Get a couple thousand of them. We'll get them trained by the CIA <laughs> and we'll send them over. I, I support that. I would love to see someone protecting the women and children of Afghanistan. That being said, that's not how this goes, right? Yeah. This is this is it. This is why we were there for 20 years, is waiting for that big ending where it's all peaceful, the big liberators. It's not happening. So unfortunately, nobody likes the outcome of this. Nobody with a brain or a heart. It's horrible. It's tragic. Um, but the alternative is what? Keep keeps keep sending the troops there? Like, you're not there. It's very easy to sit in your little cubicle or, or at this point on your couch, on your laptop and be furious. But, like, mm-hmm. we have to be real here. The withdrawal from Afghanistan was kind of a big deal. You know, could things be handled better? Of course. But, like, they got they got 100,000 people out in, like, a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Do you understand how, how in terms of logistics, what it, how insane that is? Uh, you, you trying yep. to get your kids down to New Jersey for a, <laughs> a weekend, you know, I'm sure yep. you have problems. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, my God, we, oh, you handled this so terribly. And it's like, really? Like, did we really think in three weeks every single person was going to get out and get a, a, a second round of drinks on the way home? You know, yeah. nut, pretzels and, and peanuts. <laughs> that like, like, what is in your head? So, again, as people that aren't Biden fans, it's like, what are you thinking? What? What? Who told you? <laughs> what history teacher of yours told you? You can leave a twenty-year war in a in a couple months, and it's not that hard. You know, right. you you get all the people that all the refugees that went out, get them a blanket, put them on a plane. Everybody's nice, and it's like this outrage. It's so fake. It's so political, and it's actually quite sad because. You know we're concentrating on that and this is just right out of the playbook of the gop um and it's we and people fall for it. both sides fall for it i have friends that are democrats that are like oh man i don't know you know could have handled it better and i'm like oh really what would you have done explain
0: yeah what would I you mean, have done there's a number so there's a, a couple of things to bring up with this right so on the one hand um obviously the spec. the reason people focused on this at all it's not because people actually care about they don't care the people of Afghanistan no it's because there was a terrorist attack that killed 13 U.S. soldiers um, and right. there hadn't been a death since um, last February That's and right. that was because <laughs> Donald Trump struck a deal um, saying that we're gonna leave don't shoot us while we're leaving yes. right um, and and they held to that deal right so it wasn't the, Tal- the Taliban actually condemned that um, mm-hmm. that attack, right? Of course. Um, not in their interest to to do that on the last couple of days. Um, so the that's that's why we're focusing on this. And so a couple of things come up here is that, and it's a terrible thing, but like that's what war is, right? Like so for for most of this war, American war means us killing people, right? and and suffering zero casualties yeah, right this is no like, like, wrestling match yeah yeah that 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 the only way that american war can be sort of good and justified um is that if we're killing people we're killing the quote unquote bad guys um which as we've shown we're not um um we're or killing everybody um and that we don't lose any guys right and of course you don't want to lose any guys and i don't want the us army to lose any guys right of like like not. That, that that's absolutely true but that kind of show that it, it's kind of a tell on the war right which is like it's fine if we you know bomb kids um mm-hmm. and you know murder babies through the air mm-hmm. right but if we lose a soldier um that's horrific, horrific right like right but why is that horror not sort of generalized or like, like the, the whole war is horrific right so that that maybe we should like roll back the war because um, we need
1: somebody to blame because we we we're so removed from war in this country, post Vietnam, like me and you, we never had a fear we we're going to war. Just, yeah, we, we've been spoiled. We're we're so video gamed about it that it's like, what do you mean? Ten, 13 soldiers died. Right. American soldiers. Mm-hmm. They died. Yeah. I guess yeah. what else died? Seven kids, Afghan kids. What, what are we gonna pick and choose from what's worse here? Yeah. I mean, that's what's so infuriating. And I'm not getting I mean, I'm kind of giggling a bit, but I'm not I get no pleasure out of any of this. I mean, but right. that's why I'm anti war. That's why I'm pro draft. Put the draft in. Let's yeah. see all these big loud these big Instagram loudmouths when, you know, your eighteen year old, guess what? Go ahead. Send yeah. them over. This or is hey, war is. People all, all, all
0: those very muscular people who are very angry in their 20s—they oh could join up. They could join Send up. Off, could join up. <laughs> yeah, the whole
1: Woodstock '99 doc. You could have yeah, sent that right. whole thing over there. We yeah. would have won the war really quickly. But that's the problem—is that like—and I promise you—and I've, you know, we both know veterans that are our friends, our close friends—and I promise you, their view is a lot different, and they feel some of them. I'm not going to speak for them, mm-hmm. but some of them that I've been in contact with feel extremely um removed from American citizens' view on this because mm-hmm. they feel forgotten. They've been there for 20 years, dude. There are military personnel that have done over 10 tours in Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. That's that's two decades. Yeah. And their whole entire existence has been there while we have not thought about this war. We only think about it during elections. We only think about it when, like, the media tells us to because something happened an the anniversary of 9-11. we got to talk about it again. But let's be real. All you people out there, you're not thinking about this daily like, all oh, the soldiers. Like, are you writing letters to them? You guys been pen pals for 20 years? Because I tell you what, they'll read the letters. Have you sent a care package? No. I can assure you that if you ask any veterans, have you been receiving care packages from randoms for 20 years, they would say, oh, hell no. <laughs> because it's bullshit and like you know it's propaganda that's put in your head and you fall for it every time while they're pulling the wool under your eyes and taking your freedoms from you and i more as much as anybody i i love i love our military our military guys our, our and and girls like our men and women you know the, the these are these are not these are not people that like want to be there like people don't join no, not everybody joins the military because they want to go to Afghanistan and kill people right a lot of people it's a way out of something worse it's like an actual yeah, way yeah. out it's it's a way out of the 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 um the, All the problems of america into. yeah the problems of america <laughs> they get, get education paid for they get a paycheck they get good insurance they you know it's actually a good career if you're not fighting it's a great career um and it's like those people that's you feel bad for some of those people as well that like that's their way out and you know they go over there trying to get people in afghanistan to get blown up by isis and it's the whole mess is it's just a mess
0: that's the interesting thing about the whole debate about the leaving of afghanistan is that i've just been trying to read as much as possible from like all the op-eds by veterans and stuff like that just to sort of get a picture of you know so another ackerman who i really like is elliot ackerman who is a novelist, um, and a journalist, but, um, um, he did six tours in Afghanistan and Iraq, um, and led an, an all Afghan unit, um, of, of forces there, I've read right? some of so, his stuff. Yeah. So he, he wrote in the times either and he was very critical, um, not of the policy of leaving, but how it was done, right? Sure. That, that there, sh- that and and i can get that because if if you if you were a commander of afghan troops and now those troops have not gotten out and no, you're, you're they're pissed. basically um, dead men walking. You're pissed. Um, then I can understand why you'd be very angry with with the Biden administration, right? It's 100%. like it's not. It's like it's like it's not a critique of the policy. It's a critique of the policy execution. It's like no right? no, no man left behind. Yeah, unless right. uh, you're <laughs> yeah, you exactly exactly.
1: But 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 I I've 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 watched a bunch of his interviews, and I feel for that guy. I mean that those were his boys. They mm. they were doing battle together. They were helping, and they got left, and it's horrible.
0: Yeah, so so it's I don't know. One thing that I wanted to just sort of bring up is that this was a war. I mean, I I talked about this before like this is I thought this was a terrible plan to begin with, you know, like that's you know, obviously 9/11 is this terrible tragedy, right? Like it's this horrible thing and obviously there's going to be some reaction, right? That that's true. But that the reaction of um, attacking an entire state for the the actions of you know probably like five or six dozen people, um, you know, scattered around the world and and and, and housed in different places to to just basically say we're going to break Afghanistan um, after the Soviets already had done that you know for ten years before, um, and this is a society that's been at war for forty years right I mean this is I mean to to live in Afghanistan you've been at war since nineteen seventy eight mm-hmm. right. Um, you know basically as old almost as old as i am um and almost. one of the things is that i think the war was lost because the policy was kind of distorted and mangled from the beginning mm-hmm. um so i was reading about um this a little bit about just the, the origins and so if you might remember this name richard armitage he was george w bush's number two at the state department and on September 11th itself, he called the head of ISI, which is the Pakistani um, Inter uh, Service uh, Intelligence Services, which is kind of like their CIA, FBI all rolled up into one, right? That's their espionage and counter-espionage arm, and they do, you know, they do some nefarious things. And basically, he said to this guy, this uh, General Ahmed, that. Basically, you know, that, that line of the time, which was you're with us or against us, right? Like, unless you're helping us completely, you, we're considering you an enemy, right? And then, um, in, you know, as you know, Pakistan jumped on board, gave them airspace, blah, 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 staging ground for all sorts of stuff and became an ally. Um, but the other part of it was that just General Ahmed started trying to... Explain the Taliban. He was like, Look, the Taliban grew up and flourished um, in the sort of mid 90s after getting um, a lot of money from the CIA um, to and fight the Russians. You know, US, yeah, yeah. So to get U.S. <laughs> interests and stuff like that. And so that it's this complicated history. Um, or, and the Taliban, in some ways, sees the U.S. as an ally in various cases. Um, and so on and so forth, and Armitage, and this is according to Armitage himself, he said he cut him off right away. He said, no, and I'm quoting him here, no, the history begins today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, in a nutshell, that little statement is a the, like uh, the flaw in U.S. foreign policy, past and present, right? That, that the past histories are sort of silenced and ignored, and then you sort of create new convenient narratives to sort of justify the ideological position that you have, right? And then the, the, the policy that's gonna flow from that, right? So from just, you know, like, no, we're gonna start the history today, right? We're gonna start it on September 11th. Um, and that was echoed by by many people in the US government at the time. There was this uh, a fairly infamous statement by this guy Kofer Black, who was a CIA um, guy, who said that there was a before 9-11 and then there's an after 9-11 and after 9-11 the gloves come off mm. um, and um, That Kind of shows that well There's no interrogation of not to again not to justify it, but like why did 9-11 happen? <laughs> right, right, right? Like like there's there's no interrogation of the past because the past doesn't matter right the past doesn't matter there's only uh, looking forward now um, and it's uh, basically a misunderstanding of how the past works <laughs> like you can't quarantine you can never quarantine I mean, I the past i
1: know but that's just that's what we do
0: yeah that's yeah, what we but... do
1: that's what we do with everything that's literally what we do from our from columbus <laughs> to <laughs> afghanistan that's what we do yeah so yeah i don't know it feels like there's a small fraction of people out there that would like that to change um but yeah, that's a that's a perfect quote. History starts today. Yeah. Of course, it does. Yeah, why would you want to? Why'd you want the skeletons to come out? Let's just right. pretend it didn't happen. It's why Ellen DeGeneres' friend George W. Bush is. I'm looking at my TV, speaking <laughs> in God Pennsylvania damn. right now, and everybody gave him a round of applause.
0: This guy should be in a jumpsuit.
1: I always I always remember. I remember watching the like Senate voting like to go to war in oh. Afghanistan, and they would all get up there and talk. And, like, they all got their little moment. And I'll never forget John McCain saying, you know, his big line, everybody went nuts, was like, you know, God may forgive you, but the United States will not. And they're like, (laughs) thumbs up. Let's get him. And there's a guy who was a war prisoner. Right. You know, that's how how much people wanted to go to war. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But today's a great day because hopefully it ends – young americans being sent to this war specifically hopefully the younger generation seems pretty anti-war it changes policy it changes you know some some seats in the house um and uh you know we we are great we are grateful to our our troops that did have to go it's not it was not their choice and you know we we, as much as me and you are really critical of American policy that does not take into account um, that we aren't very aware that this was not a choice for a lot of people and even though we're critical of the military policy you know I just think it's important always say that that that's not extended to the the young men and women that are out there trying that are just out there because they're soldiers and that's their job and you know we're thankful for those people because we're not going (laughs) and um you know it's 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 a weird complicated relationship because you know it's it's part of what makes everybody feel safe here but unfortunately they get abused just like everybody else in this country and it's the big tragedy of of uh, the fake patriotism that will go on today, and everybody will hug a fireman and love a cop and support our troops. But like, you, the way you support your troops is by not sending them to war. So yep. keep that in mind with the yep. people you vote for. Because yep. Lindsey
0: Graham thinks we're going to go back. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I, I want to end with that. That's a good statement to end with. Support the troops by not sending them to war. Indeed. Um, Apologize right. to
1: them if you supported it. That's how you can you yeah. know, start your history... With your past, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, great. What a, yeah, let's end it right there because I'm sick of talking about it. Yeah, And yeah. Hopefully, we can you know correct some issues.
0: I think so. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually optimistic right now. I think there's a critical mass of people, actually in important positions, yes. and then also on the ground that that are that that it makes sense for the world and for the US to be anti-war.
1: And, you know, the last thing I'll say is God bless social media, as much as I hate it, you're actually seeing a vast um, majority of veterans out there saying, you know, we shouldn't have been there. And -hmm. it's nice to hear from them when, when, when things are being, when subjects are polarizing because of the political nonsense here. Actually, the people that went when they come back and justify our progressive views, it's like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, right. man. I know. Anyway. Okay. Um, we'll be back next week. um, no politics at the dinner table is produced by Arvind Prakash, uh, tunes by G. Baderoy and our theme song by Alex Tepper. That we always forget to say, and that was—it's yeah. a wonderful theme song. It's at beginning and closing music, and we always forget yeah. to thank him. And um, we're sorry, man. A couple, uh, yeah, five years yeah. later, and we're going to start yeah. acknowledging. Yeah, yeah. You're, Alec, you a- gave Alex us was free. with us from the beginning, <laughs> right?
0: So, yeah. <laughs> Props he hit me up that day.
1: He was like, "Hey man, can you? I'm uh, doing. I'm getting hired to do podcasts, and I was showing your thing, but I'm not credited." And I was like, "Whoops, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> right. man." Right? Yeah, yeah, we paid him good money for those socks, pizza.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we gave him a couple beers too. I think we gave him
1: some beers. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I will, we'll see you next week.
0: See you next week.